Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to the tech leaders of a very forward-thinking, data-driven business modernising the Morning Milkman service. Our guests from the companies are James Renshaw, the CTO, and John Hughes, the data warrior of the company called The Modern Milkman. We're going to see how these chaps are helping the business be driven by data, saving the planet from even more plastic, and creating a great culture involving technology, data, and brilliant leadership for the business and the people. A win-win for all. So let's not delay. Let's get them both into the space for them to share their enlightening stories and knowledge and have some fun. So, welcome to CTO Confessions, John and James. It's great to have you on board. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, James, do you want to go first? I'm James, CTO of the Modern Milkman. I, I sort of, I've come really from a software development background. I was a software developer for years, did things with the Ministry of Defence and all that. My career's kind of gone through that journey, going through the technical levels and then um, into team leading and department management and all that. I ended up about 18 months ago, um, consulting um, after a, a fair while working in, in big corps um, and happened across the modern milkman. Cool. <laughs> um, I, I met Simon, the, the CEO, um, obviously at a very early stage in the business. Um, I, I came in to help out with a bit of consultancy on how they would go forwards. And um, they've um, dragged me in and kept me there for <laughs> ever since. And they kept, they, they got, they, I'm sure they haven't imprisoned you there, but, you know, it, it sounds like an interesting company. So um, so we'll, we'll kind of dig into what, what the modern milkman does in a second. But just, uh, uh, John, do you want to introduce yourself? What do you do? Hi, yeah. Uh, my name's John Hughes. Um, I'm the chief information officer at the modern milkman, but I wear many, many hats. Um, I, essentially, I'm a data analyst. Uh, and I've been a data analyst since I was probably about four. They used to call it being good at maths, um, <laughs> mathematician by trade, um, and then just got into all sorts of analysis. Started with um, equities analysis in an investment bank and then moved through into the startup space, looking at starting with web analytics. Um, and I found myself at the behest of developers and um and business owners in trying to get information out in order to generate insights. Um, and that always led me to want to be a data-driven business. Um, I, I hear that as a, it's a bit of a buzzword at the minute, but um, I'd always wanted to grow a business where you're just using data as your strategic guide, as your compass, shall we say. Yeah. And I, I was fortunate enough to, about two and a half years ago, I bumped into Simon Mellon and uh, our CEO, and he had colored spreadsheets which i absolutely detest um <laughs> and uh, i asked him i asked him what the hell it was all about he'd spoken in a meeting and made a lot of sense um but when i saw his spreadsheets i thought he was crazy um <laughs> and i just said look i'm the sort of guy that can structure these so that you always know 
which direction is the best way, the best direction. So I, I was employee number one. Um, cool. I, I, I wasn't inspired by the David Attenborough show in the way that Simon was. I wasn't out on a milk float the way Simon and Tom were. So, yeah. um, but I've, I've grown with the business and I've seen the vision for it to be this, you know, modernizing a very, a very old industry. Brilliant. So let's, let's kind of touch on that then, because uh, I love purposeful businesses and the conversations we've had offline around this. So so what is the purpose of the milkman other than delivering milk? It's the modern milkman, sorry, um, around plastic. The purpose is to reduce single use plastic, firstly in the UK and then latterly in whichever parts of Europe and the world we decide to conquer wicked i mean that's brilliant that is really really good i mean I, i'm uh, just to kind of let the audience know i'm a i'm i don't like plastic myself i actually try to buy stuff that isn't plastic you know we've got plastic packaging of some sort uh, and and it is a conversation that a lot more people have so you're kind of um i, I guess that that's a that's a great way of kind of developing customers a customer base that want the same thing as well yeah, well, it's come full cycle. So, you know, before the rise of the big supermarkets, people had all of their things delivered, um, you know, or, and all or, or the convenience stores were there for them to drop in on a on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, but obviously with supermarkets, you have this ex- exponential rise in the use of plastic in order to keep things fresh. Now, you know, in terms of doing that, it's great. But what the side effect of that has taken 20, 30 years to come about, whereby it's just is polluting our oceans and you know it's just we're on a short shelf life with it essentially so simon simon and his and his and the founders at the time were looking at um looking at how they could modernize um the industry and it becomes very very apparent that you're running a series of micro businesses if at scale you'll be running a series of micro businesses because there are still milkmen out there you know and sometimes we upset them by moving into their territories etc but like ours is just a micro business like theirs just rolled up into the infrastructure that we're trying to build yes um and that become that becomes a very data-led piece you know and our our entire rollout will be data-led yes i love this i I, i'm interested also how you can guide how companies guide themselves and having data real data uh um guiding you in the direction you're going the innovations that you can create in there is, is quite interesting so in terms of the company then it's it's delivering it's doing the milkman as in the name the modern milkman um and uh and it, and what you're providing is a platform i understand around uh allowing these kind of micro businesses to kind of uh no we 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 are the micro businesses essentially you know okay. we're, we're, we're just running multiple micro businesses essentially yes yeah, and, and, um, and providing them with the with the uh, the ability to to um, well provide provide these products without the kind of plastic and rubbish wrapped around them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're quite focused on trying to use the local suppliers um, where we can. So um, we've we, as John's kind of alluding to there, we kind of um, operate out of small hubs. We don't have a massive distribution center or anything quite like that. Yeah. Um, so where we can, we, we team up with a local dairy, um, obviously being the main product that we yeah. sell, but yeah. equally where we can, we, we use a local, local or smaller suppliers, um, in, in the rest of the product range. Brilliant. Um, so, and that's a really important thing for us. Um, it's, it's how the business works 
with operating with local suppliers. Yeah. Um, and that obviously then leads to how our systems and everything else behind the scenes work. Brilliant. We have to do extra things that maybe, you know, somebody's just operating a big warehouse in the centre of, you know, Manchester or something. Yes. Um, might need to do. Yeah. So it's kind of, uh, so it's an addition of localism, which is an area that I'm very uh, passionate about as well. Um, yeah. And and so, I mean, obviously I've kind of done some research on it, but in terms of the success of what you've created here, how's that been? What's the journey been like? <laughs> Relentless. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it has grown, you know, we've, we've grown, it, I think we started properly around about 20 months ago. Um, so we got our first seed funding in then, um, and uh, we've not we've not used loads of cash to date, but we've grown to about um, an ARR of twenty million as we speak now. Wow, which is which is great. It's it's kind. Of, I mean, we we have obviously had a, a great headwind to sail into, but it, yeah. it's all right having the opportunity. You've still got to execute it properly. Um, and I've said previously when I've had discussions with potential investors etc i don't think we get enough credit for how well we've executed um, but a lot of that feels a lot of that feels like it was data driven as well in that we can afford to take to, to make the right bets yeah so i'm interested in this kind of data driven side of the organization because um i imagine it gives you lots of clarity so when you first came in to the organization and was looking to i mean what was the quality of the data like that you were kind of picking up was there I, it was I, a Google I, sheet. I see there's a bit of amusement <laughs> it, it, there. It, you know, it, <laughs> it it was a Google sheet. With the, so, the, and this is before James before James came in. Um, yeah. So it, it, it very much evolved from having a Google sheet where they were managing or they were taking orders on Facebook, um, colouring in different things for different products. Um, yeah. it, you know, I, I would love to show you. And I was like, you couldn't get any sense out of it. So what I did is I created um, essentially just a transaction database so, so that I could see what they'd done. I understood how much customers were spending. I got an, underst I got a, an, an understanding of what they were like, what, what it was costing to acquire these customers. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we were able to go from there and say, well, would this work in an app? Um, we, they'd already started to build an app by the time I joined, uh, which was a real shame because um, the guys that built the app built it like it was just a, a simple catalog store, like the stuff you see on Shopify. Yeah. I had no notion of what we actually do because what we actually do is we deliver, so, you know, we deliver, we deliver on instructions. That's what a subscription business is. Right. Um, you know, it's not, so the products are, are, are meaningless to an extent. Yes. Um, you know, they they are they are the boxes that you deliver, you know, you almost you're almost agnostic to them as long as yes. there's no plastic involved. We're agnostic to them as well. So, yes. Um, so and and that so when that first version of the app came out, I was like, this is absolutely terrible. Um, you know, what have we done? I, let's go back to the Google Sheets. <laughs> oh, no, it never it was never quite that bad. Um but uh, I, I was like, we need someone to rebuild this. Like these data structures don't—they don't work for us. We can't see any—we can't see anything going forward. You know, we have no product hierarchy or anything. And we started to talk to developers. Um, I've worked in fairly big software teams before um, on contractual basis. I'm by no means a developer, but I understood the data structures. 
um, and we met a few people. Uh, one of those people is in this conversation now, um, and he was by far and away the the most earnest and um, enjoyable to be around. And that's that was a big part of it. He's also great. He's created some brilliant data structures for us. Yeah. You know, to the point that I'm still finding little Easter eggs in there now that oh, wow. uh, that are working for me. I like to call them. Though. <laughs> yeah yeah um he's almost like a game developer um wow. but no I, I, so we found james and that was the point he came in he sorted that and he, he kind of did it on a contractual basis but you got the, the you got the impression he was never leaving yeah. so you know uh, we formalized <laughs> we formalized that about six months in didn't we after getting um, yeah, to get the API off the ground. So the, the major shift for us was in June 2020 when we actually reverted to the platform that that we what that we'd architected. Yeah. That James had architected, sorry. Brilliant. Excellent. And it's 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 actually a relatively rare thing to be able to go into a business who has got something that kind of works from the outside. You know, the customers can use the app and they can make the orders and you know. Um but to um, to be to be have conversations with um, a CEO and John as well at the time, and and them really understanding that actually this thing isn't a thing that's going to be able to scale, mm. um, and have got that insight and a real clearer vision of what not only just what is on the surface of the system, but they need to but have a clear vision of the kind of things that they need to get out the back of the system. Yes. Uh, and to really drive the business forward. The whole conversation was not so much about, oh, uh, we, need a new, we need a new app because the screens are a bit ugly or, or whatever else. It was very much of, we need this data and the processes within it, right? Mm. So we can understand our business, we can understand our customers and we can drive ourselves forward. And the point of driving ourselves forward is that we can carry on with that mission and with more customers about removing the plastic. Brilliant. And when you kind of presented this to the CEO, because uh, obviously from a business perspective, you know, they, they have a perspective and you, you saw some an opportunity to kind of go down. Was that was that quite challenging as kind of techie and data kind of leaders to be able to persuade that? Not really. Um, I mean, Simon's a big guy, so I wouldn't want to be in a, in a, a cage <laughs> with him. Um, but it, the thing is, a good CEO for me will listen to people who know things. We'll understand that some people know some things better than he does and we'll listen to them. And yeah. that's what we've got, you know, and that's why I think that's one of Simon's major successes is that he doesn't understand tech and therefore he will listen to, to the experts on it. Oh, good. That's good leadership. I, mean, that's... I, 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 don't, I, I just I'd like to get this in that he doesn't understand anything. He just lets us do what he wants. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that, that's a good sign of a uh, of, of a leader to be able to kind of you know I don't know what what I'm talking about here or I don't understand it fully I'll hand it over to you, you know, almost kind of delegating that leadership away. You know? But that but that that is the that that is part of the DNA of this business is that that you know we try not to have egos and if someone does know better if, do, if someone does know something better than you do the likelihood is there's data there to support it. Yes. Right. And therefore we can surface that data and say, yeah, you were right. Or did you know you were wrong? Yeah. You don't actually know what you're talking about. Get out. Sorry, you was going to say something, James. No, just on, on, um, <laughs> on the same kind of point is that 
that kind of management style of siren is what uh, is kind of one which we we um, let flow through the organisation. So anybody coming in, you know, we we're bringing them in because we trust that they're going to do a good job. Yes. And so you let them go and do their job. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, and do whatever you can to help them be able to do that job better. It's, um, yeah, that's good. So for tech leaders listening out there. Um, that will be quite interesting in having a data-driven business. I mean, what kind of advice would you would you give them? Um, I think the first the first bit is on, is really understanding what your business is about. Um, and then, I mean, that was that was I suppose when I got involved. That's what was the first thing um, is is really understanding what is this business trying to achieve? What is how what is its model? Mm. How is it? How does it work? Um, and then kind of start structuring. How you're going to capture the right data or, um, or as much data as you can in, yeah. in, a, in a way that will be meaningful. Wow. Um, that isn't what happened with the first version. The first version of, of things weren't weren't built around a, a good understanding of what the business is. Um, but outwardly it looked like it did. Yes, I understand. <laughs> um, so it yeah, um, I, I think for me, that's the, if you don't have that bit right, you're going nowhere. Yeah, uh, and then the next bit is having some really good data heads in place to start actually making sense of the the data you've got now, which is what yes. John's about. What John does, and it's good that we've got people like John because I know, for example, when I get too much data thrown at me, I just go cross-eyed, and uh, sometimes even dribble, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> because uh, I kind of get lost in it. And uh, what, one of the interesting things that John said a second ago was that was that the the original app was not. Um, you know, you're, you're product and uh, agnostic. You you're interested in delivering what the customer needs. You know, kind of thing. You're. Um, I thought that was quite an interesting, different perspective. I wouldn't have thought of it like that. Yeah, well, I mean, it was brave of us because um, we basically spent like a, a, a big part of our 2019 budget on an API that was not going to change anything fundamental. So it wasn't going to change the way, like the sign-up rates or anything like that, or the activation rates. But what it was going to bed down is, is it was going to put the rails in front of us so that we could steer the train, wow. you know? And no one sees it. And like, we got questioned by some of the investors. They were like, why, why are you doing this? What can I, what can I see for my money sort of thing? And I was like, you can't see anything. You gotta trust me. You know, you got, you got. I, I said, go, go back to the jobs that you do and look at all the things that you do on repeat every single day because you've not automated the process. Yeah. You know, they're the sort of things that I'm taking out now. So, you know, if in a year's time when I come to you and we treble the business and the headcount's only gone up by sixty percent, but you know, but you know, by point six, you'd be like, yeah. oh, that's why you did it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're continuing to do that. So we've made a we've, recently we've made a fairly major investment in data science and in data engineering to speed up how uh, to speed up and democratize our data. Brilliant. You know, we, we use a tool called Snowflake now that is just it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, we've got we've onboarded um, another tool called Clean.ai, which um, it's a bit of a plug for those guys. But what they're doing is great. It's yeah. absolutely great. That's good. That's good. It's good that it's um. What I like about your stories is that it was a, a real kind of stepping out of your comfort zone to kind of fight for what you thought was right without actually having. Um, sometimes you just know that it's the right way to go, but you haven't got the kind of. Well, I I've been I've been in businesses before, and 
as the as the data analyst, you actually you have the potential to know the business better than the other than the other people in the room. You've always got the advantage that you can tell, you yeah. can interpret what the numbers are saying, probably faster and maybe maybe deeper as well. And the frustrations I'd had previously were that I couldn't affect change the way that I wanted to. You know, so I'd been in huge organizations that were global. And I identify opportunities that were like five billion pound sales opportunities and nothing would get done. And I'm just like, why am I even here? Mm. What is the point in being here? Yeah. You know, um, but I'd also similarly, I'd been in small companies. So I, it meant that I moved to small companies. And what I found in small companies is that one guy makes all the decisions and he probably doesn't like being challenged. Yeah. Um, and so like, I've always felt that I wanted this data-driven thing. You know, I have always wanted to be data-led and data-driven. Mm. Um, and Simon was really open to that. Brilliant. You know, Simon, he, he knew operationally what needed to be done. Yeah. You know, he just needed someone to basically lay out a roadmap to say, if we're doing this and this and this, we're going in the right direction. And that's what myself and James have tried to do. Brilliant. Love it. So this kind of brings me on to another a kind of similar subject is kind of how do you lead in organizations so what kind of leadership style you kind of hinted at what the leadership style is there but can you articulate it a little bit more what's worked for you and what hasn't worked don't be afraid to be wrong there's nothing just because you are you're a leader don't be afraid to be wrong you know and i i could point to countless examples this week where i'm saying something that is probably wrong and you know as soon as I see the data turn, I make an apology to that person. And the next time that they say something, I'm going to be listening with a bit a bit more of an ear. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, a bit more of an open ear. What would you say, James? Uh, there's definitely an element of that. We mean, nobody's perfect. And so don't try and portray that you're perfect because it only adds an extra pressure mm. um, and, and creates a culture of people hiding the mistakes or whatever. And actually, that's the worst thing you can do with a mistake. And that's just compounding it. And yeah. what we want to do is is accept the mistake, own it, and then learn from it and um, evolve. Yeah. Um, and you will hear kind of what like John said. You'll you'll hear me kind of countless times in team meetings or a stand up. Oh yeah, hand up, I was wrong on that. Uh, even if it was only really minor, uh, trying to make put it across that it's okay to be wrong. Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe not wrong a hundred percent of the time, but <laughs> you know, um, and 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 that other thing is that you know um, we've grown we're growing really quickly. The tech, the tech side and the, and the data side are, are growing quickly, and um, and in a way, quite a bit of it is kind of mine and John's baby. <laughs> Some yeah. of that data structures and the stuff that's been built over the past twelve months, but. Um, You've got to bring, you know, when you're bringing people in, you've got to trust them like Simon was trusting us mm. months ago yeah. to be able to take it on to the next level. Otherwise, we'll just end up as a bottleneck. And um, I, yeah. I, you know, so it's really putting the same level of trust with yeah. everybody in the team. But the other part of leadership is creating growth as well. So for me, the people that, and I say it in every interview that, that I do with people, it's like, you know, what's your ideal scenario here? And my and I and they'll give they'll tell me that they've got a three year path or a five year path or whatever. And I say to them, look, well, you know, if this is going to have worked to the best of its ability, 
I want you to be leaving in three years for a lot more money because it means that I've done my job and I've trained you right. I'm not scared to lose you, you know, because I took you in at an entry level and you've left as a senior analyst. Brilliant. And the reason that you've left is because you've outgrown what we can afford to pay you, not because you're you're, you're disgruntled or anything like that. Mm. Um, so we so we really invest in our people and we're not, not we're not afraid to invest. So. I get all of my analysts in Tableau training, even if they say they're competent in Tableau because there are structures and things like that. Um, You know, we put them through Snowflake or SQL or whatever. We really invest in them. Um, If we like, I'm making the gamble that it's quite a nice place to work and that there's at least two years of growth because otherwise I'm going to have spent an awful lot of money on training and uh, I'll have a big bill and no return. So (laughs) I love what you say here about you know, training people and not being scared to let them go. Because I think companies do get very kind of nervous about this investment into people. And then they kind of walk out the door with the knowledge and uh, and, and what else you have. That's, that's quite an interesting perspective. Um, yeah, but you've got to understand in every walk of life that like people will have a slightly different, uh, you know, some people will have a, a, a different interpretation of their worth to you, you know, um, uh, or it might be that the world has a different interpretation of their value to, than you do, and you just yeah. got to understand that. Like, if we lose it, if we bring an analyst in on a starter salary of say, I don't know, twenty five, twenty eight thousand pounds, is where our starter salaries are pitched. We really invest in them over the next two years. They're worth forty thousand pounds. So if we can't pay them, it someone else definitely should. And it, yeah. I almost want the like analysts at the Modern Milkman to be a badge of honour and the next step in their career. Love it. Hi, it's brilliant. Did you want to add anything to that, James? I know. The same principles kind of permeate throughout the kind of, well, hopefully throughout the whole business. Yeah. yeah, um, I can't remember the the exact quote, but it's a classic thing of you. If you don't, your your problem is if you don't invest in people, they'll stay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, yeah, we, we, we really do believe. Um, in bringing, you know, in, in investing in the people. And also, I suppose, I think we do it with a little bit of confidence in that we we believe that as a business, we've got a, a great culture. We believe we've got a great mission that people buy into and we bring in people who buy into it. And if you work, and the idea is, I suppose, if you're working for a business that's investing in you, is doing good work, um, hopefully for the world, uh, um, and, and sticking to its mission, that it's probably quite a hard place to leave. Yeah, you see what I mean? That's right. It, the, the, only, the only other thing anybody else has got is potentially money. Yes, that's right. I love this yeah, idea. Yeah, they don't have me and you, though, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they don't have us. Well, well actually, actually we, we laugh. We laugh. But I think that is the really important. I can't remember the ana- analysis that Google did. They did a huge uh, study of their managers and what have you. And they actually found people leave because of their managers or their kind of yeah. leadership. It's it's they either align to it or they or they kind of get thinking you know what I'm out of here, so uh, that's great. And you kind of mentioned trust as well because trust is um, is an enabler of of, of lots of things. I, I mean, if we look at Patrick Lewensi's um, five dysfunctions of a team, I mean trust is right there at the bottom. So uh, you gave an example of how you develop that trust by by being transparent and owning up to when you make mistakes. What else do you do to develop that trust? Uh, well, we kind of didn't have a choice because when uh, uh, if we go back to pretty much a year ago, we had like 10 full time employees um, and now we are knocking on 100 
you know, and we've had to take new office space despite the fact that people only go into the office one or two days a week. Mm. Um, so, you know, we have to trust people because we're essentially a remote first um, company out of necessity. Yes. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. But with, but with, with that trust, like, you know, people become a lot more object, objective focused. So our CFO, uh, Lambro, has like really tightened up on like, on our OKRs. So everyone has to deliver, and your you know your your overall performance is is constantly being assessed by yourself, but also like you're kind of you're beholden to your peers as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I love the fact that you're using OKRs. I think they're brilliant. You know, they uh, um the only actually may, maybe we can share some advice here around OKRs because sometimes the measures for certain outcomes that you want to create are kind of very subjective because they're. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the kind of cost of actually measuring them absolutely, one is impossible, two, uh, too costly. Do you find that quite challenging, finding the measures for the OKRs? Uh, not personally. I'll let Lambro do it. <laughs> but what, <laughs> yeah. uh, but what, what, I, what I always look at is the, the OKR themselves probably isn't, uh, isn't something that you can account for, but you can see the little, you can see the barometers underneath and they're the ones that I go for. So... Okay, so where are you in in the signups phase? Where are you, where are you in this? Yeah. Um, and we're only in our first quarter of OKRs, so you know, hopefully, version two, which will come in about three weeks' time, yeah. will be much better, and um, you know, the process will have evolved. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I suppose it's kind of you can measure it when you break those OKRs down. It's probably more easier to measure those smaller items and then cascade them up. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I guess, um, I don't know, it's got a thought around keeping it simple. You can really go to town on OKRs, but the point is, is the outcome. Uh, but it's not it's not just a measurement. The measurement is just a reflection of how you're getting getting there. So even if it is subjective or a kind of loose measure of something, um, it's good. It enough. also allows it also allows you to harness your data as well. So like people will ask you for KPIs left, right and centre, you know, but if they're not, if those if those KPIs that they're asking for, aren't aligned to, aligned to your OKRs, then the question is, why are you actually then measuring it? Right. Well, you know, so so you're able you're able to put that sort of, uh, you know, that sort of emphasis on it. Yeah, link, linking the different um, key indicators together in some way. So in terms of uh, your teams, okay, um, you said remote, you're remote first. You've obviously had a huge growth in the last, um, you know, uh, year or so uh 10 times growth i think you were saying without an office i mean how's that how's that been trying to manage these remote people you've mentioned trust i really feel for our head of people who started last week so <laughs> <laughs> essentially i think we've got away with it but we've we've cut a few corners so poor lou yeah um, um yeah there are some things when obviously onboarding and stuff is, is is more of a challenge you're just getting kicked to folks and all the kind of things that you might have being used to have a traditional office space, turn your first day, turn up to IT, they hand you a laptop and all that. Yeah. Um, obviously, all those things are much more difficult. I mean, yeah. and the found, I mean, in, in the tech, in the tech area, the, the original uh, development and everything was offshore. So it's kind of always been, I mean, pre COVID and everything, there was always mostly remote. Um, and still, we, we, we still use offshore teams now, along with our, our UK guys. Um, so it, it's kind of just evolved as 
the processes have never been built <laughs> for yeah. a team sat around in an office. That doesn't, that doesn't mean we won't start um, using the office space more often when um, when the world's in a better place. Yes. Um, but yeah, so but I, the vision for tech is really the office is going to be a collaboration space rather than a day-to-day -day workspace. If you see yes. what I mean. What one of the uh, previous CTO on uh, podcasts was saying that actually the kind of workspaces, it's almost like a gift to the team of a place where they can come together and, as you mentioned, collaborate. It's a service that they're providing for people to help do their work. Yeah, so we, the, thi the thing is we, we had to make an investment in an office. So, um, we, you know, we our office previous to January was in Colm and most people on this podcast won't have heard where Colm is, let alone find the office. Um, and so attract, attracting people to come and work in an office in Colm, I mean... I should mention Tiger Tie there because that'd get you anyone in. But we had to make a decision to, like, you know, we needed to be in a big city, essentially, um, so that we could attract talent. So that we, uh, And we picked an office that is a great place to work. And when the world is, like, fully functioning again and people can go to the pub or jump on a bouncy castle, et cetera, whatever you like doing, make no judgments um that then we'll have a great place you know and we'll be able to build on that culture that we think that we've got yeah yeah i like it uh, when i speak to kind of ctos out there you know particularly ones that are doing a lot of outsourcing you know the conversations happening now you know we don't really care whether as long as they're within three hours of my time zone you know so they're, they're looking vertically across the kind of globe uh which is quite an interesting thing so you kind of mentioned that you are using external uh third party um people how do you find that is that quite challenging um yeah well it <laughs> It brings it, it obviously brings challenges when you've got um, initially, especially last year when most of the team was in India, effectively. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I was very fortunate um, early uh, early part of last year before COVID kicked in to go out um, to one of the teams in India, um, and that really helped break down some barriers and and kind of get across what the business is about. And it's not just some user stories and things that you're seeing in Jira when you're going off and coding. You know, and, and really try and get some of the business across. Um, and I, I felt like that did help with that team. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe when um, uh, when the world's different again, we'll do some more of that. I mean, since then we have, uh, you know, we've, we've continued to use offshore and we've started to bring UK um, team in place. Brilliant. Um, That's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's that. It's that understanding of the business and turning it from, just some text in a in a story to a real life living breathing thing and yeah always trying to keep it get across to them that this business you were helping you know rebuild apis for um in february is now you know custom numbers i don't know john will tell me probably 10 times what they were mm -hmm. uh, this time last year wow. um and so you know you guys have really contribute helped contribute towards that but it also means that we're now stepping up levels in what we needed to do. And that, you know, you are going to need to step up along with it. Yeah, that's 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 good. And making these kind of teams, collective teams, whether they're kind of in-house or external, into uh real kind of powerhouses of customer-centric uh delivery of value to the business. So how do you go about making sure that it is customer-centric? So I mean, I mean, one of the things that we've done in fact um Effectively, the first new role that um, 
that I recruited into um, the tech team wasn't wasn't as posed what you might class a tech person. Maybe the first person we brought in was a product owner. Oh, wow. Uh, because um, we, we knew that we needed to spend more time understanding the problems and challenges. And in fact, we just brought in a second one. Um, and that's giving them the time to focus on um, what customers need. And when we say, oh, when I'm thinking about customers, it's not just the, the person who's paying the money each week for the bottle of milk. It's the drivers. It's the people in customer services. They're all kind of customers of our platform, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, employee number one after I became an employee um, was somebody in that space rather than bringing in a techie. Yes, that's good, and and I guess the the focus on the customer, they, their job is to know what what the you know the product that you're having, how it how it serves the organisations, and other, and yeah, I can see the kind of system that you've got here. There's lots of stakeholders, lots of people involved involved in it, um, and it and testing that out. I, I obviously we haven't got the product owners here. Do you do you kind of get them out in the field to kind of understand where their people are having problems? So one thing we do do is every every person who joins tech, uh, I, think, I think it's true across the whole business, um, will end up going out on a milk round. With one of, well, we call them milkies, actually. So one of the milkies. Um, <laughs> and, and really experience that cold face piece. Really? Um, no, and, there's and only one person with an exemption to that, which is me. Yeah, it's, um, it's an issue. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I want to be completely agnostic to the operation and I just want to go off numbers. So. Wow, yes. Very, very good. <laughs> yeah. That, so that's good that you're kind of getting people out there to experience it. I mean, so this is one of the common themes I've seen with uh, technology leads. Uh, you know, um, they they do get people stuck in, you know, even picking up phone calls and problems, uh, you yeah. know, tickets and stuff. So hearing the... Yes, our product, owner, our product owners have spent um, time sat a full day in the, with the customer services team, you know, um, and all those kind of things go on. Brilliant. Um, as we grow the team, we get more capacity to be able to do more of that stuff. So it's yeah, important. Yeah, and in terms of your the actual kind of uh, you know the 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 IT, the software, the development, and what have you, what kind of challenges have you got going on in your business? Uh, do you have any kind of engineering? Yeah, it's it's what to build and when, isn't it, James? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's so like, we, I'll let you talk. Oh, so 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 I mean. Because th- th- we're growing quickly, and uh, I think I think it's fair to say we're still exceeding all our targets at the moment. Um, that means that some of the things um, that the platform doesn't do um, now, uh, and, and it didn't really matter so much when we were at a smaller scale, now matter. Um, so it's really trying to cut through those areas that aren't currently covered and work out what suppose the minimum viable product in those areas are to enable us to continue on the growth journey without overdoing it um, and missing something else elsewhere. I mean, we've got limited, you know, we haven't got limitless money yet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's, we've, we've been through some interesting times over the last three, four, five months, kind of working out our best ways of deciding what are the, the right things to be doing next. Um, we're in uh, a quite a nice place with that now, and we're going to continue evolving it. Um, the next part of that, and it's something that uh, John uh, will hammer home, is that we need to now understand if we made the right decision um, based on the data. You know, were these projects, were these changes effective? 
where they divide things and learn from that so we can continue to make the best use of what capacity we have. Yeah. So so, so our scaling thing is, is twofold. It's what new functionality do we need to enable the business to scale without, you know, recruiting 400 people to manage stock or whatever it might be. Yes. Um, and what do we need to do with what's there so it can continue, so it can grow with the additional load that's going through, you know, um, mm. we're processing, you know, our load more invoices, for example, than we were this time last year, 10 times as many. And uh, we still need to be able to hit that hit that volume um, in a timely manner and it'll be probably triple, quadrupled again by the end of the year. Yeah. So we've got this constant moving fast-growing target. But James is right. So obviously at the minute, we like the, the main the main issues we have is what to build and when. Yeah. But whilst that in parallel with that, it's collecting the data structures that are a bit more qualitative. Um, so it's like who had the opinion, who's the sponsor, you know, what do you think the ROI is? These are, these are very much, you know, they're, they're not hard and fast facts. But what what each one of them will have at the minute is um, is effectively what will be what will the retro analysis be on it. So, for instance, we're making changes to um, I don't know if I should let this secret out of the bag. We're making changes to our sign up process uh, in our app, um, uh, and for 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 us, that's been prioritised for certain reasons, you know, and it's going to have a very tangible measure against it yeah. you know but someone still someone has still had to sponsor that that internally yeah um you know and and every single like tech change that we do at the minute will require a business sponsor you know so. yeah so so the business you see the business value there's somebody uh seeing how they're going to benefit from it that's 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 good actually uh, i have seen uh, that kind of model used before and it's quite effective because the business is on board you know they're kind of supporting that and they can have the discussions uh further up in the uh, leadership echelons uh, on, the, on the business side so here's an interesting question for you what keeps you up at night what's what what kind of like concerns you uh netflix what's that? netflix that's what <laughs> yeah. keeps me up at night yeah, John's yeah. a big fan of the crown. Yeah. I suppose, I mean, this business is, is I wouldn't say is unique is probably the wrong word, but um, as a challenge, and, and from a technical point of view anyway, is that it doesn't stop. Um, so operationally, throughout the night, we've got our milkies out there, you know, doing really good work delivering out to all our customers. And then throughout the day, we've got our customers and customer services and everything else that um, need supporting so we don't really have a platform that stops without downtime yeah um so does that keep me up at night it'll keep me up at night if we have a problem in the middle of the night <laughs> one of the challenges for us as we're growing um is being able to maintain a really good level of support throughout that period um yeah. and that is actually, is actually one of the so hopefully you're on the journey of solving <laughs> quite nicely now yeah. um so suppose the biggest thing is making sure that we have a reliable platform that is going to continue to scale and work and never rest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, can, I, I can imagine this is um, the, the kind of growth is causing all kinds of stress and things are changing. It's all fly. It's all dynamic, isn't it? You know, uh, and 
Yeah, I will. I will hasten to add in there that we haven't actually had any serious <laughs> issues well, in those regards. But um, I think if we ever let our guard down on it, that's when you know, you're likely to um, for it to happen. So yeah. we're, we're, we're constantly uh, looking at how we manage that and improve. Good. And what are the kind of growing pains have you got in your company? You've kind of mentioned the technology, the scaling, what have you. Um, so it's understanding that tech, like, yeah, it's understanding that you can't invest in all your tech at the same time. So some parts of the business evolve quicker than others, yeah. and therefore, the pains that are experienced in 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 those parts of the business, um, you need to understand that they're inevitable. Um, so, you know, for the last six months, the underinvestment was in was in business intelligence possibly in the customer front end as well. Those yeah. things are being rectified now, um, as, I've, as I've alluded to previously. But what that's showing is that the guys in commercial that are doing all the stock ordering, that, you know, they're, they're, they're slightly left behind. So you need to, like, you just need to manage that effectively and, and, and make sure that people are aware of your tech roadmap and they're aware that they're a part of your, of your thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And they just need to buy it as well. The other things going on is Simon is hiring out a really great team. We're getting some really good people at the top of the business and they're all coming in with fantastic ideas. Um, and so one of our challenges will be is kind of keeping focus and then making sure that we're delivering the best of those ideas rather than trying to deliver 4,000 things. Yeah, <laughs> and that and that that is where that that those measurements come in. It's like, what are you okay. trying to achieve with this? Yeah. How are they aligned to the OKRs? How and it all it all circles back on that. Yeah, it makes like dis- making decisions easier, I guess, uh, as well. You know, if you can see the kind of business value and it's starting to emerge, it's, you need more of that uh, as well. Um, and in terms of uh, kind of attracting people to kind of come and work for you, is that something that you find easy, challenging? Um, we have we have found it quite uh, quite easy so far because a lot of people during this during this lockdown are, are kind of reevaluating why they work. You know, yeah. a lot of people will have like working from home is probably a bit cheaper. You know, there's no cost of travel. You probably make your own sandwiches. You don't go out. I don't have a Starbucks in my house. I don't know about you two guys, but you know, all of all of that, and suddenly you're you're slightly richer and um, yeah. And it's like, well, do do I, you know, do I need or, you know, do I need to work for the salary or can I work for something else? And I think that, that that's been a big part of that. And, and we are very mission driven. Um, but at the same time, you know, we are we are growing, you know, and we, we aim to continue to grow. So if you're out there and you're in a like some of the things I've said about like, like, like not in, not not affecting change enough etc if you're finding that in your business then you should come and find us you should hunt them out send an email into tc gill and he'll put you in touch brilliant yeah we'll, yeah. we'll stick a, we'll stick a little link at the bottom of the uh, podcast web page but yeah that'd be great to <laughs> you didn't want to become our recruitment consultant <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no that's that's good i, th- I think uh, it's a common kind of issue with uh, a lot of organizations finding the right people it's, it's not so much a skill it's also the kind of mindset that people have you know you know wanting to be part of something that's growing and and being able to put their imprint on it yeah i think once you've got somebody at the point that the you know in the first stage interviews and you're talking about the business 
Um, you know, a lot of, most people get really hooked on what the business is about. Um, so as soon as we, as soon as we've kind of got them in that uh, that first phase, we're on a winner. Brilliant. Another this is that I always like to find out what people read. Okay, so are there any books that you recommend for your kind of in your tech world and leadership skills that you've read and thought this is something that somebody has to read? I'm more of a reader for fun. So my favourite book at the minute is uh, Power of the Dog by a guy called Don Winslow, um, which is about the war on drugs in Mexico and the USA. Um, in terms of, like, because I don't really see myself as a techie. I, I'm not one of those. Um, I've read Elon Musk's uh, biography by Ashley Vance, but I read that from a point of being a short seller, and I think Tesla's a complete nutter. Uh, <laughs> you know what? But... Um, it, like I've so a book I've read recently on uh, is more on how how the brain works and it's by a guy called Daniel Kahneman who's um, an Israeli professor of psychology um, and he talks about how he, he basically shows you how the brain is made up of two systems mm. um, and I found that really really useful to understand how I process information but also how how I create biases um, and you know like the, the the types of anchoring that I do based off the environment that I'm in, etc. So I found that really interesting. But I don't sit there and read like how to grow an organization 101. It just, you know, I'd rather just try and do it. And if I fa- if I fail, you know, you're an explorer. You know, you're an adventurer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like to use a book to basically forget about work. You know. Yeah, that's good. It's a good point actually. I, 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 and as you say that, I look, I look around me and I think. Ooh. I mean, if 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 the modern milkman wants to pay me to read books, I'm quite happy to read all there sorts go, of them. But yeah, yeah. Um, shall, I, shall I throw a couple more on, on oh, the reading yeah. list? They're probably a bit more um, classic, I suppose. But I, I always, uh, well, think back to the Phoenix Project, which I'm sure has probably been mentioned on the kind of podcast yes, about yes. a thousand times. Um, um, it's just kind of remind yourself where you don't want to be going. <laughs> um, and, and believe me, I've worked in businesses that, you know, it could have been the Phoenix Project at <laughs> one time or another. Um, one, actually, I, I was talking to the, um, the CTO of HelloFresh last week, and he put me onto a, a really, I mean, I've, I've not got through it yet, so I can't vouch for all of it, but um, a really nice uh, book called Accelerate. Um Subtitled The Science of Lean Software and DevOps. Cool. Um, and, and that's proving a really interesting read today. Yeah. Uh, Excellent. That's good. And um, now, now this is a fun bit. I, I love this uh, as, as we kind of bring the kind of podcast to uh, to kind of closing arc. Is uh, I'm going to be, be a tech genie for a second. I'm going to grant you a wish. Uh, I, I'm going to grant you two wishes, one for each of you. What, what would they be? I think if we could if we could push and accelerate, uh, push down, yeah, push and accelerate to a point that we're moving towards. I suppose it's like really building in uh, machine learning into everything we're doing, yeah, uh, and really creating that loop back from system, you know, from the data and decisions being made into the platform and, and affecting, um, our, well, you know, maybe customer processes or even some of our um, operational processes, managing routes and. Yeah, all that. I think that's um, probably the next big enhancement for really? us. I don't know if John's uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, John's I've, I've pretty much done half of that though. So, yeah, um, there you go. Wish may come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the tech genie would 
basically he, the tech genie would prior uh, would prioritize all of our dev requirements at the minute and make sure like to be absolutely 100% bang on you know build this then build this then build this that was like I, I realized I'd probably get a hundred things out of him and he'd regret it but yeah that's fine brilliant that's good that's really good points it's, and it's um it kind of speaks to what a lot of companies have challenges around you know prioritizing what they build first is it the right thing will this kind of uh, uh, you know, get in the way uh, of, of something more important kind of uh, uh, emerging. So final, final words. What's the key takeaway each of you would like to offer to the tech leader, women and men out there? What's your gift to them? Get in touch if you want to talk. You know, it, it's quite hard. It's quite hard at the minute because obviously there's, there's, you know, you do everything over Zoom, but like, you know, just get in touch. We've had people... We've had people get in touch with us from companies in similar verticals with similar problems and we've helped them. And similarly, we've had other people like we've got we've gone to other people and asked them questions and they've helped us. So don't don't just sit there and think that like no one will ever be able to solve it or no one will be interested. You know, it, it, it can be a five minute conversation. It can be an hour. It can be an ongoing thing. So, you know, if you think that we might be able to help you or you're interested to know things just you know just fire fire off an email or get in touch brilliant yeah uh, yeah i mean I'll, I'll, i think the other thing for me is that it's it's and, it, and it's a key part of working at the modern millman is, is that wherever you're at even even if you don't come here um is that you want to be at a place that has got a real clear vision and something that you believe in if you don't have those two things, uh, I think your, your work life and, and how much you get out of out of what you're doing is really diminished. Yeah. Um, if, if you've got those two things in place in whatever business you're in, you're you're on the right track. Love it. Great words of wisdom, and we'll put the contact details. So if anybody wants to speak and kind of. Uh, uh, collaborating thinking uh, with you guys uh, we'll put that at the bottom of the page so thank you very much John thank you very much James it's been great having you on board and I love the wisdom that you shared <laughs> thank, you. thank you well that was fun I can feel the culture of the business in that interview a nice blend of informative learning great leadership and life-affirming banter I thoroughly enjoyed the chat on and off the recording I love how the business is milking their data for everything they can get, pardon the pun. A data-driven business that sits alongside the business acumen to help the direction and growth. Absolutely love it. And to add, the business is founded on a planet noble mission to reduce that pesky material that we've got a bit obsessed over, which is plastic. I would use their service if it was available in the area. I'm sure it will be soon with their trajectory and growth. So my key takeaways from the podcast were as follows. Number one, how an old traditional business can be resurrected with a modern twist. It's really inspiring to see local micro-businesses thriving using technology and data. I would love to see more of this. My second key takeaway that I love from the podcast was how data can really be sitting in the driving seat of a business, giving a sharp and nimble edge of business dexterity. My third key takeaway is how holding the workforce with care and consideration of their future and career growth creates a high-performing business team for an all-round win-win. And my last and fourth key takeaway is how banter and fun conversations can create a wonderful space to be productive and to have fun. 
For me, it feeds the social system of the business and honours our humanity. So thanks again, chaps. I'll be looking to reduce my plastic in the meantime, and I look forward to your business and local milkman serving my doorstep soon. And with a little milk bottle jingle, I am wishing you both well, and of course, the modern milkman. May the fresh milk force be with you all. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.